Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Welcome, guys. It's time for another episode of Nick's Nerd News. It's the middle, no, it's the end of June, actually. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Nick, as if that wasn't already painfully obvious. Some alliteration going on with the, the, the title of the show. Why am I talking about this over a year in? Don't know. Don't really know why. I just think it's funny to bring it up every single week. Anyway, uh, before we really get into the show, I, I just, first and, and foremost, I do want to apologize for the delay last week, mainly because there was an issue with uh, with the hosting site, and there was a uh, upload issue that I didn't notice and, and until it was brought to my attention. So I do apologize for the extremely late release of, of the episode last week. And and I'm going to strive to make sure I know everything is up and running before I, I click away and, and don't really pay attention to things anymore. But back on the normal release, uh, we're going to be changing things up up in the coming weeks. I'm, I'm really reevaluating some of the things that I, I talk about and do just to, to streamline the sh- streamline the show maybe a little bit more and and to allow for a better listening experience if if you get what I mean anyway let let like I said let's let's get back into it as always check out the show on Instagram Facebook and Twitter Nick's nerd news on all three of those platforms check us out at nicksnerdnews.com you can find links to all the show social social medias if if you will as well as links to the show's various streaming pages, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, or listen right in the website if that's what you prefer to do, if you don't want to download it anywhere or anything like that. But as always, thank you guys. Welcome to everyone listening. Welcome to first-time listeners. Uh, and as always, we, we start off with what, what's going on in the video game world, kind of slowed to a trickle, if you will, after E3. Um, some things have been cut for time just for for making sure that you guys have the best experience and so that way we don't rush into certain topics or anything like that. But uh, some of the biggest news to come out post E3 was obviously the announcement of the Breath of the Wild sequel. That was uh, a surprise announcement. And and uh, some of the team from Nintendo were actually doing interviews at the show, after the show, I should say. And they decided to make a Breath of the Wild sequel mainly because they had so many ideas for different... Uh, so many ideas for different DLC, so they're like, why don't we just turn it in into a sequel? Which, honestly, that's pretty cool. So instead of just mulling around doing DLC for, for years on end, they decided to essentially just turn it into one more big game, make more content that, that fit, and give players more of what they want and what they love. Which is really awesome. Breath of the Wild was one of the greatest games that came out on the Switch that year. Granted, a lot of games that come out on the Switch are very great. I've yet to play it. I've uh, yet to pick up a Switch. As I mentioned in, during the E3 weeks, you know, I was waiting for the announcement of a new like Switch XL for, from what has been rumored for quite a while. But I do plan on getting a Switch this year, so hopefully I'll be able to, to tackle Breath of the Wild finally. One of the biggest news is, though, to come out in the last week or so, and and this just goes with EA's just bullshit backpedaling, but they have decided to defend loot boxes and call them surprise mechanics in the wildest thing I've ever heard. 
So there was an oral evidence session with the UK Parliament Digital Culture, Media, and Sport Committee. Uh, EA's VP of Legal and Government Affairs, Carrie Hopkins, made this statement that they are surprise mechanics, likening them to kinder surprise eggs or hatchimals, which I guess is some kind of toy that you don't know what you're getting inside. Almost like a mystery minifigure that Lego did that they've been doing for quite a while now and other surprise toy box. I don't, I don't know, but uh, he went on to say uh, the ethics of such purchases are this. We do think that the way we have implemented these kinds of mechanics, and FIFA, of course, is our big one, our FIFA Ultimate Team and our packs is actually quite ethical and quite fun, quite enjoyable to the people, they said. We do agree, agree with the UK Gambling Commission and the Australian Gambling Commission and many other gambling commissions that they aren't gambling, and we also disagree that there's evidence that shows it leads to gambling. Instead, we think it's like many pr other products that people enjoy in a healthy way and like the element of surprise. That's some bullshit right there. Uh, they also commented on Belgium's decision, because uh, Belgium has pretty much banned them at this point. They decided, the regulator, not the courts, decided that under their local law, these mechanics under certain circumstances violate the law. While I will say this, I don't necessarily see them as gambling, but I wouldn't agree with the idea that they're surprise mechanics. I have plenty of friends who have dumped hundreds if not thousands of dollars into FIFA Ultimate Team Packs trying to get the players they want. Some cards can be sold on like online for hundreds of dollars themselves, which is not a part of surprise mechanics, if you ask me. That that you're getting into very sketchy territory at that point. And the other problem with this is that they actually affect gameplay in some certain way. It's it's not a cosmetic thing. It's not I I I I don't know. It's game altering, especially online. And I I've made many comments about loot boxes in general in the past and Honestly, if it's just cosmetic stuff, I don't have an issue. If you can purchase those things with in-game currency, I don't have an issue. When it comes to you requiring to spend actual real-world money on it, that's when I start having a problem. Because I always go back to Halo 5 as an example. The rec packs. They do not affect competitive play in any way, shape, or form, which is perfect. They do allow for cosmetics for in, to use on, on your Spartan, obviously, which is fine. The only weapons and gear that it adds is for the Warzone mode, and everyone's technically on an even playing field in that, so just because you have access to certain weapons doesn't mean you get them right away. Your team has to earn the level to be able to have access to those. But the on the flip side of that, you can actually buy those rec packs with points you earn in-game, so you do not have to spend any actual real money on them. And the other thing is Microsoft was really awesome about this. And a lot of the money that people spent on rec packs actually went into the Halo Championship Series prize pool. So essentially, those people won that money back if they were professional Halo players. So it's not like that money was pocketing. Uh, it's not like Microsoft was pocketing all that money. And another good thing is they actually, because they were sell selling the rec packs, all the DLC for Halo 5 was free. So there's give and take. Now, I'm not saying what Halo 5 did in 343 was perfect. What I'm saying is that was a better option than what EA is offering up and what EA does with their things. Now, Apex Legends has been really good about it, and theirs is not very predatory, and they tell you exactly what your chances are of getting everything, so that's a little different. It's not surprise mechanics, more or less. It's a, hey, you have this chance of getting this, this chance of getting this. No, like, whatever... Uh, what was really predatory, though, was what they did with Battlefront 2, 
where it was completely a surprise, essentially, no guarantee for certain things, and it actually affected gameplay in a very, very not a great way. And not necessarily competitive, but online in general, and you could essentially pay to win. And you also had certain characters that were locked behind this extreme paywall unless you put hours and hours and hours into the game. Which, when you have a game like that, and you're going to have characters that people want to play as, like, almost immediately, especially like Darth Vader, things like this, I mean, you're going to get people that are are not happy about that. So, I mean, granted, that blew up in their face. They went back and changed a lot of things. So hopefully, and a lot of countries, especially after that, a lot of countries have started to look at loot boxes and try and understand them and see how they affect certain things. So at least the conversation is moving forward. So I'm I'm happy. I'm happy about this. So we'll we'll see where things go in the future and how they're affected by it. But that that that's my two cents on it. I know we we prattled on and on about it for the time being. The main thing I want to talk about video game wise though is is Crash Team Racing. It was released last week and got some some time with it this weekend and it is not keeping my attention at all. I, I can maybe do one or two races, and then I'm just kind of like over it. And you you never want that with a game. You want to keep people hooked. And obviously that game's more fun when you have multiple people playing, almost like Mario Kart. And I don't really have a, a big, huge, fond memory of it like I do the original Crash games. And, I mean, I do like racing games. It's not like it's a matter of a racing game thing and me having an issue with it. I, I mean, I play the death out of Forza Horizon and regular Forza and different need for speeds and things like this, but I, I just, Crash Team Racing is not keeping my attention in any way, and I'm not, it's fun, but I, I think the problem I'm having is I'm playing by myself, and that is definitely a game that you want to play with people. The graphics are great, the the remaster, I should say, is amazing. It just, I mean, I, I'm going to have to give it like a, a if, if I were to just rate it, I didn't even finish it just because I, I can't even bring myself to play it alone anymore like a 6.5, and it's not a detriment against the game. I, I mean, the controls are a little wonky, like you have to hold X to go, not a trigger like a lot of modern modern racing games are nowadays. It, it's just, there's a lot of weird mechanics in it that don't make sense to me, and they probably made sense 20 years ago when it came out on PlayStation, but not so much now in, in a modern sense, and just just wonky overall and 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 it's disappointing to me cuz i wanted to have fun maybe maybe when i get someone to play with i'll 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 change that i i don't have online for playstation just cuz i don't i don't have enough games for it so that that's one of the reasons i don't play pay for psn but i i don't know it's i'll say this i'm happy i didn't spend 60 dollars on it cuz that would have just been a little more frustrating to me luckily it was i think 40 bucks so I, it's on sale already. I, don't get me wrong. If you like Crash Team Racing, go go out and get it. If you have a lot of people to play with, perfect. It's probably a perfect party game too. I would just say not as fun when you're playing alone. And just when you go from other modern racers to that, it, it's just, it's not the same. And granted, it's a kart racer. But even even Mario Kart is a little more fun, even playing alone. So that that's how I'm feeling about it. It's unfortunate It's that... It was a game I was looking forward to, and it just it's just boring. Plain and simple. Just just plain and boring. What I think 6.5 is what I said. So we'll we'll leave it at that. And let's kind of move on here just into the next topic. Let's just uh that's it for video games. Let's see what's going on, on the on the small screen, on the TV, in the TV land, in the TV world, huh? 
Yeah. Not a whole lot of TV news going on either this week. Uh, biggest thing, though, got some news on the casting for the miniseries based around Stephen King's The Stand. And it looks like Amber Heard and James Marsden are actually in talks right now to, to join the, the miniseries. That'd be a, a really interesting mix. Um, actually, I don't know. I mean, James Marsden's come a long way from playing Cyclops in the X-Men movies. I mean, he's probably one of the best characters in Westworld as Teddy. So there, there's there's a lot to be to be said from that. Amber Heard has always been around doing a lot of good things. She was great as Mira in Aquaman. I, I'm trying to think of other things I've seen with her recently. I know she's been in stuff. I just personally haven't seen it, so I, I can't talk on that. I'm stoked on that. The Stand is somewhat connected to Stephen King's magnum opus of the Gunslinger series and the Dark Tower series, I should call it, as that's the official name. But uh, I forget what channel that's going to be on, but that that's being worked on right now. And uh, the director of The Long Night, which is the Battle of Winterfell episode from Season 8 of Game of Thrones, uh, was on a, a talk show or a radio show or podcast recently, and he was talking about things he had wanted to do for that episode and uh, he he talked about how he wanted to kill more people, things like this. But his biggest thing was he actually wanted to have like a pack of like fifty dire wolves attack the. Uh, oh, uh, sorry, uh, spoiler warning, I guess. Uh, but he wanted to have fifty, like a pack of fifty dire wolves, attack the undead dragon of the Night King. And and all I can say now is, why the fuck didn't that happen? That would have been perfect what what oh man now that i'm hearing that he wanted to do that i just wish like it actually happened oh that would have been fucking cool though and he said but realistically it just it wouldn't have worked and it wouldn't have made a whole lot of sense and it just uh, aesthetically pleasing it wouldn't be aesthetically pleasing excuse me is, is is pretty much how he phrased it and then uh despite my ranting and raving about the new scooby-doo movie coming out fear not fans of the do a new Scooby-Doo cartoon will be premiering on Boomerang's like online streaming service later in the month, and then will start airing in July on Cartoon Network. It's going to be called Scooby-Doo and Guess Who. It will contain most of the original voice cast, and it will actually have Scooby-Doo meeting up with different celebrities, almost like the new Scooby-Doo movies from back in the day, which I'm sure many of us watched as children on Cartoon Network and things like this. And some of the some of the celebrities they announced included. Weird Al, Chris Paul, Ricky Gervais, Kevin Conroy will be reprising his role as Batman from the DC Animated Universe, and then Steve Urkel. Not Jaleel White, not the actor, but Urkel. So I, I can't wait. Uh, looks really good. I'm very excited. I, I like Weird that Weird Al's in it. I like that uh, uh, Kevin Conroy is back as Batman, and it's always great to hear him because a lot of people don't know if he's going to be retiring from that role or if he grant, granted he doesn't do it as much as he used to, but that's uh, that's always something to look out for because, like I said, Kevin Conroy is, and I've said before, Kevin Conroy's probably who most people think of when they think of Batman, other than like Christian Bale when I'm when I'm talking about animated Batman, video game Batman, things like this. But uh, just a, a tiny bit of of other news: uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion is on Netflix now as of last week. And then we did get a premiere date for the final season of Arrow, and that will premiere Tuesday, October 15th. So be on the lookout for that. Now let's uh, let's move on to movies here. On the silver screen, Hollywood. 
Uh, Rod Ferguson, the studio head at, at The Coalition, which is the studio in charge of Gears of War currently, announced that the Gears of War movie, which is currently in the works, will be uh, will take place in an alternate reality as to allow itself to tell its own story and not have to um, be beholden to the game so much or the books or anything like that. And, and he actually said that a lot of the books and comics actually take place in like an alternate reality as well to a degree which is kind of the like complete opposite of, of what Halo does, where everything is technically considered canon. Hell, even the new show is going to fit canon in, in some way, shape, or form. So at least it's nice to hear some, some confirmation on that. Obviously, no ca- casting has been announced or anything other than just the fact that they're working on it and they're making sure that it will stay true to the, the games in, in some capacity. I also got an announcement for the Kingsman prequel, which will release in February 2020. Bit of a delay there, uh, obviously due to the Fox and Disney merger. Uh, And the movie is actually going to be called The King's Man. So The King's Space Man. So not The Kingsman, but The King's Man. So it's essentially, my guess is it's going to be about the original Kingsman and the the first person to have the role, (laughs) if you will. I can't wait. Love those movies. Very good. Halloween 2 is in the works uh, for a 2020 release with Jamie Lee Curtis involved. Wonder what they're going to do and how they're going to build off that. Uh, Dan Aykroyd was recently interviewed and said he has really good things. He had really good things, I should say. He had really good things to say about the new Ghostbusters movie, and it will connect in a way that nothing's been done before. I don't know what the fuck that means. Uh, Just is Ernie Hudson in the movie? Hell, if Annie Potts can be in the movie, Ernie Hudson should be in the movie. Nothing's been said. Uh, Another rumor came out of DC saying that uh, they are currently courting James Gunn to direct a Justice League movie, which would more than likely be filmed and released after he does Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which I'm guessing is set for a 2021 release, which so is uh, is his Suicide Squad movie. So this Justice League movie might not come out for another three or four years at the earliest, if it's true. And speaking of the Justice League, uh, Ray Fisher was at a, a recent convention. People asked him uh, about the future of Cyborg. Obviously, he played Cyborg in Justice League and said he's currently unsure of his next on-screen outing as Cyborg, Cyborg, but he's pretty sure he's not done yet, which gives me hope that the DCEU as it stands now isn't completely dead. Um, that would be kind of upsetting. Uh, as, as I've stated before, I did enjoy the Justice League films. I did enjoy Batman vs. Superman, but... I mean, there's only so much so much you can hope for after what are considered critical failures and, and things like this. Bill and Ted 3 has begun filming, according to Alex Winter. Whoa. So, yeah, excited for that. It seems like he was happy to get in on that. And then uh, before, I, I got two really big movie things to talk about. But uh, Kevin Feige, head of the Marvel Studios, has had a really loose lips lately. And he's been given a lot of interviews and talks regarding the future of the MCU, surprisingly, because, you know, Phase 4 hasn't been announced yet. Um, Part of those things is that they have uh, someone who's, I guess, their top choice for the Shang-Chi movie, and that's Ludi Lin, who, if uh, if I'm not mistaken, was actually in the most recent Power Rangers movie. Let me... Anyway, as, as I look up on that, um, also he announced that they've actually talked to Keanu Reeves for a role 
for just about... Okay, sorry, let me stop there for a second. Ludi Lin was in Power Rangers. He was also in the Aquaman movie. Anyway, going back, uh, Kevin Feige confirmed that they have approached Keanu Reeves for a role in just about every single Marvel movie. And they are currently trying to get him to be in the Eternals alongside Angelina Jolie. Also announced that more than there probably won't be a Deadpool and Spider-Man movie, but what could happen is a Spider-Man and Venom movie, which is a lot more likely, and that the ball is in Sony's court on that one, apparently, especially given the success Venom had despite critics pretty much panning it. Which also begs the questions, like, some movies don't do well critically, yet they make a shit ton of money. Some movies do well critically, don't make money at, at all. Then there's some movies that do, uh, don't do well critically or financially. So it's just, it's all around, I don't know, movie business is interesting. Uh, he also said that Breaking Bad has definitely influenced the Black Widow movie, despite not confirming if it exists yet despite the fact that it is filming currently, which is funny that he's talking about a movie that isn't confirmed. And then he did say that he is having a lot of fun uh, getting ready, or getting the X-Men and Fantastic Four ready to join the MCU. And then uh, he did confirm that Endgame is coming back to theaters this, this weekend with six minutes of extra footage. How about that? Six minutes of extra footage... And you can spend a whole lot more money on Endgame to see it again, to watch end credit scenes. Definitely not doing that. I don't care how much I love the movie. I'm not going back to see it again for six extra minutes. I'm not. As much as I would love to see it again on a big screen and even in IMAX, I just, I don't know if my heart can take it. <laughs> but yeah, that, that was the MCU news. But what I wanted to get into uh, movie-wise was uh, this past weekend was actually... This past weekend was the 30th anniversary of the release of Tim Burton's Batman. So Batman 89, essentially, as, as it goes by nowadays. And while the movie came out before I was born, by about a year and a half, and I obviously didn't watch it till I was cognizant and able to, to understand the movie, it has stuck with me, and, and I've said this many, many times before on the show, I love Batman 89. I think it is the best Batman on film currently. It has what I think is the perfect interpretation of the Joker on screen with Jack Nicholson. Michael Keaton, while not exactly the best Bruce Wayne, does play both characters very well in a way that kind of set the bar for others to follow. Tim Burton was a master in creating a world that was while very similar to our own, was still very different, and one that would allow for someone to dress up like a bat and, and act like a vigilante uh, in, in a way that felt believable. And obviously it spawned a sequel and, and many other films that followed that some could argue are technically uh, a mockery of, of the, the first two. Granted, it's it's we don't really know for sure. It's just how people see things. But that's something again this is all this is all open to your own interpretation i know a lot of people like the nolan films i personally do not i felt that they were half-assed in terms of yes i know he wanted to be realistic and move away from the comics and make it accessible to everyone but in a way when i say half-assed what i mean is it it's so far removed from the source material and what makes batman work that it was it was it just didn't feel real to me. 
and Christian Bale just it looked it looked and felt like he was trying way too hard. And I know everyone like jerks off what's his face is Heath Ledger's Joker, but like Jack Nicholson is a way better Joker because Jack actually had like the maniacal part of the Joker down and this idea that he's a, a crime genius. Whereas Heath Ledger's was more akin to anarchy with a Joker skin on it. But when you look at when you look at Tim Burton's Batman, you have to give credit where credit's due. And without that movie, you wouldn't really have the superhero genre, right? Because this was the first what you could consider could consider can't talk today a modern superhero movie. With without that movie, you would not have everything that followed. Regardless of the shitty Batmans that came out, that shitty Fantastic Four movie that came out in the nineties. I mean, ten years later, you had X Men. Ten, eight, nine years after that, you had Iron Man, the start of the MCU, things like this. So you have to understand that this movie has a special place in a lot of people's hearts, mine especially, and. When people watch it, some people are like, oh, it's old, blah, 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 all this bullshit. But what what they don't realize is while it's stuck true to the source material way more than some other movies have, it also was uh, able to make it for a general audience. Like people that didn't read Batman could get it. And, And that's the other problem is people are so used to what they see now that they probably are just blinded by... Like, I I don't even know what you could say, but people just automatically go in and they're just going to compare it to to the Nolan films when they should just be watching it with an open eye, with an open ear, without like any thought and just watch the movie and see that it just is so much better of a Batman movie than anything else. And people who say otherwise are either just unaware of like the reality of of Batman and things like this, or just, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to say something that would come off like super insulting because I, I don't want to say that. But it's just when people just discredit it just because it was 89 or because Heath Ledger's the best. He won an Oscar. Like, it doesn't fucking matter. For all we know, he probably got the Oscar because he died. Like, let, let's be real here. If he was still alive, would he be considered the best Joker? Would he be, Would he have gotten the Oscar? I mean, people say it about musicians all the time. It's like, oh, they're only bigger because they died. But I, I don't know. I, I could spend an hour or more talking about it. And I'm not going to do that because I don't want to waste your guys' time. But the other thing I, I did want to talk about movie-wise is I, I got to see Toy Story 4 this weekend. Loved the movie. Hands down. I'm going to say 9 out of 10, though. And the only reason I say that is because, to me, 3 was a, a, a perfectly fine ending. Did not need expansion on that. They did it well, though, in Toy Story 4. And Toy Story 4 is a definite for sure end. Like, there's no there's no going beyond this in any way that would keep it like a normal that would keep it like a normal Toy Story movie. And and my real only my only real criticism is this was more of a Woody and Bo movie than it was a Woody and Buzz movie, which is what we've all come to appreciate for Toy Story. And that's really the only detriment I could give it. But it's very moving. Uh, it, it brought me uh, to tears. Yes, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to shy away from things. Not as much as Endgame. <laughs> I'll say that. But it moved me a little more than Toy Story 3 did. And Toy Story 3 was a gut punch. That's for damn sure. 
but Toy Story 4 was a lot of good callbacks. But again, it, it just the way it ends is is definitely something I I can get behind. It, it's it's not something I would fight or disagree with. It's something that definitely ends the story as as we've come to know it. I, I can't see how it could go. I, I can't see how it could go further without not being what we're all used to when it comes to Toy Story. I, I'm trying not to give too much away because I, I, I want people to actually see this movie. And it, it's great to have Bo Peep back. Bo Peep back. Uh, it's unfortunate that Don Rickles wasn't in it as much as he could, especially, especially since he died before production officially began. And, well, not production, but I mean voice voiceover work. And what they could use from, from the previous 20 years or so of, of voice work worked well. But other than that, I, I loved the movie. Like I said, 9 out of 10 actually made sense for the story after what Toy Story 3 set. I know rumors had been circulating that they were going to tell a story that took place before 3 to allow 3 to be the definite end, but it it this Toy Story resonates more with me now that I'm an, an adult more than it probably would have as as a kids movie. And granted it's a Pixar movie, so they they do cater to adults as well, but it it moved me and things that happened in the movie just for for someone who grew up with Toy Story, it makes a lot more sense. Especially being being able to watch them from the beginning when they first came out. Unlike some other kids who've, granted, been able to watch them all in succession. You know what I mean? Whereas, I've been there at every step, essentially. Just like other people my age, a little bit older, a little bit younger. And I, I'm happy with what they did. The other thing that was surprising, um, just to, to finish off that, is that this was actually one of the first Pixar movies to not have a, a short in front of it. And I was kind of shocked myself when I was watching the movie. Uh, there was no Pixar short. So don't go in expecting one. I'll say that. And then also, there are a lot of cool little Easter eggs in the movie. So be on the lookout for those. And I will say this. Doug the dog from Up is noticeable in a few places. I'm not going to say where. not going to say how. But you will see Doug the dog if you have a keen eye. And that's it for the main show of Nixter News. Uh, still got a couple things to talk about. We're not done yet. Don't go anywhere. So, hey, you know, like I said at the beginning of the show, June's almost over. July's here next week. You know what that means. Let's find out what's coming and going to Netflix. So as we close out the show, show here, granted, this is not a comprehensive list. It is not everything. I'm just saying things that I feel will be more popular among my listeners, if if you will. But what's leaving on the 1st of July is Austin Powers 1 and 2, Blood Diamond, Dumb and Dumber, Wedding Crashers, The Matrix Trilogy, The Mummy Trilogy, The Terminator, the first one, and then American Gangster will be leaving on July 16th. Love American Gangster. Really good, really good. And then what's coming to Netflix on July 1st, uh, Caddyshack 1 and 2, Cloverfield, Rain Man, The Book of Eli. Of course, on July 4th, on the 4th of July, Stranger Things Season 3 drops. Uh, a new season of Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee with Jerry Seinfeld drops on the 19th of July. And then Inglorious Bastards comes to Netflix on the 22nd. And that's it for today. Uh, I know it was a bit of a short episode, but keeping it short and sweet for you guys. Uh, not going off on too many tangents. 
focused on some of the big stuff. Like I said, I'm I, going to be reevaluating some things and, and what we talk about and what we don't talk about here on Nick's Nerd News. Um, so going to be experimenting with some different things in the coming weeks. Let me know how you guys feel about that. As always, check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Nick's Nerd News. Check us out at nicksnerdnews.com where you can listen to the show right in your browser. Or you can find links to the show's Spotify, Google Play, or iTunes pages if you guys prefer to listen on your mobile devices or on your computers, other places, things like this. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, again, if you're new to the show, welcome. If you've been a fan since the beginning, thank you guys for, for listening still. Share the show with your friends if you want, if you think they'll like it. And as always, you guys do what makes you feel happy. Fuck everybody else. I'm out. That's it. Have a good one.